And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of the heart. Amen. Today we are concluding the second of our uh, summer worship series. During the month of June, we spent some time looking at who the Holy Spirit is, the person, the presence, the advisor, and the advocate whom God has sent to live among us and within us to teach us all of the things that we need to know. And then we transitioned from talking about the Holy Spirit to looking at what it means to experience healing. Healing is not just about finding a cure for a physical illness. Healing is about the Lord making us whole in all parts of our being, spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially, economically. We could go on and on. Healing in God's word is, when we encounter it in God's word, is about us being made whole, being restored to what we need to be. But those two do not exist separately from each other. The Holy Spirit is the one who works the healing in us. And we begin to experience healing as individuals, as a church, as a nation, as a world, when we invite the Holy Spirit into the situations that we're in when we pray that the Holy Spirit would work in us and through us to bring that healing about. So it's very appropriate if we look at the end of today's gospel lesson. Now don't get too excited and think, well, she's, she's gone to the last verse. That must mean this is going to be short today. No, we're going to start back over in verse 1 in just a moment. But look with me briefly at how appropriately Jesus ends his teaching today on prayer. And look at what he says at the end of verse 13. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus gives us, friends here, exactly what we need to be praying for every day. When we are struggling to know how to pray, what to say when we are praying, when we are struggling in those moments, start with this, asking, as Jesus says, Father, give me the Holy Spirit. Father, send your Holy Spirit. And once we ask for that, the work of healing is already begun within us. And then we begin to see what we might need to pray next, how we should pray next. But it begin, we should always begin with inviting the Holy Spirit into our midst, asking God to fill us once again. Yes, the Holy Spirit always already lives in us and among us, but God wants for us to ask and to call on that power so that we can ask for those things that are beyond our power, knowing that we have received. And as we think about that, that is where we start. We go to the end to learn where to start. Let's back up to verse 1 and see how all of this came about and how Jesus' teaching led to that. Let's look again at verse 1. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And an equivalent of that today would be if one of you came to me or some of you came to me and said, Pastor Darian, teach us how to pray like the Baptist. I heard my Baptist friend praying this certain way. Teach us to pray like this. Or, Pastor Darian, I grew up Presbyterian. Teach us to pray like the Presbyterians. We are constantly learning from each other 
how to pray. The disciples in this case are familiar. They're Jesus' disciples, but they are well familiar with some of John the Baptist's disciples who came before Jesus and before they followed Jesus, and they learned that they that John taught them to pray a certain way. This is a healthy curiosity that we should always have in the church. I would love it if you came to me and said, hey, could you teach us to pray this way or that way or in this what the scripture says? We're constantly needing to learn and to grow in how we pray all of our lives. There's always something new that we can learn. But this is what's important, and this is a key moment in Luke's gospel. Luke is full of moments where there are what seem to be little transitions, but they're actually big transitions. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, he tells us that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, and that is at that point, Jesus' focus is 100% on the cross. He's no longer focused on the present moment. He's focused on going to the cross and what the Father has called him to do. In chapter 11, verse 1, we have another key moment, a key transition, because the disciples ask him, teach us to pray this certain way. And when they are asking about how John's disciples pray, it's quite simple. Remember, John the Baptist was a prophet. Jesus was not a prophet. He was the Son of God, God incarnate. He did speak with the voice of a prophet at times, but Jesus was different from John. If you look in the Old Testament, and there are plenty of prophets in the Old Testament, if you read those books of the prophets, you see that the prayers focus around repentance and fasting, admitting sin, confessing to sin, require, and asking for God to hold back his judgment and to have mercy. Those are the prayers that John the Baptist is teaching to his disciples. So Jesus' disciples come and say, teach us to pray this way as well. But Jesus, is, Jesus says, yes, that kind of prayer is good. We need to pray prayers of repentance. We need prayers of confession. But Jesus says, let me teach you a new way to pray. Let me teach you a way that you will see and experience new things. When And think about this with me. And this is the way that we can think of how Jesus is changing our attitude about prayer. When we pray often, and I noticed this with the majority of the congregation as we prayed the prayers of the people. Whenever we say, let us pray, there are two things that happen. Your head is bowed and your eyes are closed. Sometimes one, sometimes the other, usually both. I know when I was growing up, the preacher used to say, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody look around. And I was terrified for years that if I opened my eyes during a prayer, what might happen? Then one day I opened mine, discovered my sister had been peeking for years. And anyway, we all moved on from that. But that is our, that's our instinct. And that is a prayer of, that's a posture of humility. It's a posture of reverence, but it's also a posture that we can easily get stuck in as condemnation. It's a posture where we get in and we say, oh Lord, I'm just, I'm just so miserable. I need you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I just do everything wrong. It's easy to get stuck in that place of contrition and, uh, and of confession. And what Jesus is inviting us to do, he's saying, yes, you've confessed. Yes, confess your sins. Repent of your sins. But now stand up straight and look up high and look at God Almighty and address Him as Father. Verse 2, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, 
Holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. This is not a quiet, simple, uh, very whispered prayer. Jesus is inviting us to stand tall with confidence and boldness, with eyes wide open, and looking expectantly into the eyes of our Father. And to pray this and to pray this prayer. A few years ago, I was in a meeting, and one of my colleagues began by talking about a book he had read called "Praying with Your Eyes Open." Well, as you can imagine, that got our attention. And when he said, he said, we're about to pray the Lord's Prayer together, but you need to pray it with your eyes open, looking at each other. And I encourage you, friends, when you're in a small group sometime or in a gathering, practice this. Say the Lord's Prayer looking at one another. Because when you do that, you're forced to see the image of your Heavenly Father and the image of Christ in your brothers and sisters. And you begin to see how God is at work, not just in heaven as we focus in on him, but we see God at work around us. And when we do, and, and when we prayed that prayer that day, looking expectantly at each other, it was indeed a different way of looking at the way we pray. Jesus is telling us here, when you pray to your Father, say this, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive others, and do not bring us to the time of trial. Do you hear the verbs that Jesus is using here? This is not begging This is not being demanding of God. This is simply stating with confidence who God is and who we are and what we need from Him. That is one of the keys to how we pray, friends. Praying with confidence. Even if you don't feel confident in yourself, even if you're not confident about the outcome of the situation you're in, Jesus is telling us, look at your Father, eyes wide open, and pray, give me what I need Forgive me as I forgive others. Do not take me into temptation. And that is where Jesus begins with us today, praying with confidence. And then he moves into the next next part of the passage where he uses an analogy of a a story where, or one of his, I guess you could say that this is a parable. And in this parable, he teaches us about the importance of persistent prayer, praying with confidence, and then we move into praying with persistence. When when we say amen to the Lord's Prayer that we say every Sunday, friends, that's not the end of the prayer. That's just the beginning of the intercessory prayer that God calls us to do. I look forward to a time when we are able to have a whole worship series just on intercessory prayer because I guarantee you it will transform the way that you pray as we go through the scriptures and see what they have to say about intercessory prayer. But today we'll just have a brief introduction And this parable sums up what intercessory prayer is. Intercessory prayer is confident and persistent prayer that God has the the great supply that we need, but we need to continually, continually ask. And we need to ask not for God's sake, but for our sake. Prayer changes us. Prayer does not always change our circumstances But prayer changes us in the midst of those circumstances. And this parable that Jesus tells us is quite simple. He reminds us in verse 5 where he says, Suppose one of you has a friend. You go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And the friend, as we know, goes on to say, Do not bother me. The door has already been closed. 
And at this point, it's important to stop and remember, God sees us as friend. Yes, we call him Father. We say, hallowed be your name. But it's like Jesus is turning around to us and say, okay, we are friends. We are in relationship with each other. And friends help each other in time of need. And what we see happen here is really important because this friend continually knocks, continually asks, continually searches because of a need that somebody else has. Intercessory prayer is exactly that. When we pray with confidence and persistence, God, give us what we need in this circumstance. Provide for us what is here. And it's important to note that in this parable, the friend does not say, give me the bread. He doesn't demand the bread. He says, friend, loan me. The bread That shows a relationship where they're not just going to give him the bread and he's going to walk away and never come back. There's a relationship here. So it is with Jesus. He's reminding us in prayer you're building a relationship. And it's important also to see, and I think this is especially important, friends, in what we're hearing today. In this parable, notice what the friend does not do. When the friend knocks on the door and, and they say, go away, uh, it's the middle of the night, I'm already in bed. The friend does not go home and complain to his house guest. You won't believe it. He didn't get out of bed to give me the bread. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. No, he doesn't go home and complain. He continues to pray. In the moment, complaining often feels easier than praying does. Complaining can feel like the easier way out. Because when we complain, we vent, we get something off our chest, we say it to someone, we post it on Facebook or on Twitter, on Instagram, and then we go right back to doing what we're doing. But friends, in the long run, complaining is not the easier response. What would have happened in this story if the, that's not, if the person had gone home and just complained about what they didn't get? Instead, they chose to pray instead of to complain. And I guarantee you, when you have that moment where you have the choice of complaining about something or praying about it, if you stop to pray about it, the complaint is going to start fading away. Because in the long run, the prayer, uh, the prayer is the thing that will sustain us. It will give us what we need. And that persistence brings, what we, it brings about what we need. As Jesus says in verse 9, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That is what's happening in the story. That's what happens in intercessory prayer. We can ask for something, but then we have to keep searching takes a little more effort. Knocking requires a little more effort. We do have to put forth effort in prayer sometimes, but the great benefits that come is that the God that we are praying to gives us the healing and the power and the sustenance that we need for whatever it is that we face. And we must do so, as the passage concludes today, with the attitude and the expectancy of children. Friends, we have lost in the worldwide church in a lot of ways our sense of expectancy. We often get in routines. We get in. Uh, we get in a. We get in a routine of worship. We get in a routine of prayer, and we start trusting ourselves more than we trust God. We lose our sense of expectation that the Holy Spirit can do something bigger than we imagine. Jesus is inviting us now to begin praying with our eyes open, looking our Father in the eye with expectation. 
that He will give us what it is that we need. Not give us what we want, but give us what we need. In verses, tw- in verses 11 and 12, likely the disciples were laughing as Jesus said, if, you, if a child asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If a child asks for an egg, will you give a scorpion? I'm a little hesitant to preach on this part of the passage because I happen to know we have some young people in our church. Some of you may be here today. You like snakes. And you like scorpions. And I've actually had someone say that they got a snake for Christmas one year. So, let, so it's a little bit hesitant. I'm a little hesitant on my part to even bring this up. But what Jesus is saying is if a child needs food, you're not going to give them something that's going to harm them. You're going to give them something that will be of sustenance and bring healing and wholeness and strength to their body. And he's saying it's the same thing. Ask God for what is good. And you may be, th- and, this, and these verses are not about just asking for whatever we want. Lord, give me the Corvette that I've always wanted. Lord, give me the yacht. Lord, give me the luxury vacation. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What he is talking about is asking and interceding and praying for God's kingdom, for God's good rule and reign to come. All of this prayer began with, Father, you are holy. Your kingdom come. That is the statement that should guard and guide our expectant prayer life. Lord, it is not what we desire, but what you desire. And this is what we need. This is what this person needs and that person needs. So give us your Holy Spirit so that we might experience your wholeness here on earth as it is in heaven. As we prepare to go forth into this week, I, uh, I invite you to take these words of our Lord Jesus, the call to confidently and persistently pray. And let us pray to receive the Holy Spirit, yes. But let us also pray with our eyes wide open where we're not just tuned in to what God is doing, but we're tuned in to where we want to see God at work in this world. And we can be a part of that by resisting complaint, resisting that temptation to just say what we think and voice our complaint and not ask God to help us with it. Resist that and instead not be led into that time of trial, but instead to pray about it, to sit with it, and to wait to see how our Heavenly Father, as we open our eyes to Him, opens His eyes to us and gives us indeed what we need for today, for tomorrow, and for all the days ahead. For to him belongs the glory with the Son and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.